Welcome to the Love Cars on the Grid podcast, your global motorsport roundup with me, Tiffany Dell and Paul Woodman. Welcome to Love Cars on the Grid, your global motorsport podcast roundup. Not a massive weekend in terms of motorsport. I'm in another hotel. Uh, not that that matters either. There was World Rally Championship. There was MotoGP. IndyCar, NASCAR seem to be every single weekend. Um, <laughs> but let's kick off. No, no real gossip either. We like to kick off with a bit of gossip. There's nothing really going yeah, on. Come, but Surely you can dig up Abu Dhabi again. Normally you do, Paul, every time for a bit of F1 controversy. There's no F1, no F1 controversy at all, I'm afraid. I did have a look for you to give you some little tidbit, but uh, unfortunately we're just going to look back at uh, an exciting weekend across the globe, uh, which we always like to bring up. I mean, the main well, headline was the World Rally Championship. Um, Verstappen finished 60th. <laughs> I mean, that is the shock news. If you want a bit of Formula One related, that's the best I can find because Max oh. Verstappen's father, Jos Verstappen, entered the uh, the rally Belgium and finished 60th. Um, he was actually uh, 45 minutes down on the, his class lead, the WRC2. So, anyway, he was having a bit of fun, Jos. He enjoyed his rally, I'm sure. And he, and he, he finished, unlike many of the superstars, because the real shock of the World Rally Championship was Cale Rovenbera, who, who put, people were talking about tying up the champ. Another win would have made me already the champion with about five rallies still to go. He had this massive role on just the second stage. It. Second stage. So um, that was the big shock first. Uh, but then he wasn't the only one to roll out because Craig Breen um, had a big roll out as well. He was in tears. Craig wears his heart on his sleeve. I mean, Ford had a nightmare. I think that was that was on was it day two? I think um, first of all, uh, Gus Greensmith was in the ditch and broke the suspension of his Ford. And the same stage, Craig Breen rolled out. Um, so it was a disaster for Ford, and it was left really to a, this battle between Hyundai, who was slowly coming back after a terrible start to the season. Octanek won the last rally, uh, but Thierry Neuville, of course, the other Hyundai struggler who hasn't won for, for a year or more, I don't think. And of course, he's a Belgian homegrown hero. Uh, he got into the lead. It was those two versus the surviving Toyota of Elfin. Elfin was battling away for, in second place. But then Neuville, just, the Belgian... He's always, he's always, Elfin's always there or thereabouts. Yeah, I know. Quite, yeah. Well, the, the, the story it sort of comes back to kill him later on because um, Neuville had this 17-second lead, you know, and then he put it in the ditch. These ditches, <laughs> are, I mean, the roads are about as wide as the cars. And then they all cut the corners. And, of course, the more cuts, the more dirt goes onto the tarmac. And so they don't really know what grip they've got. You know, and, and both with, you know, well, Cali Rovan Perry can't blame that because he was the first on the road. So he had no um, no marks to look at. But anyway, what the worst thing is, what, um, was it day three early on? Um, no, day two. Evans had a 10-second penalty for checking in late at the stage. Which the, that's the standard thing if you're late. Um, and he ended up losing the rally by about five seconds. So he battled, um, it was just Octanak and him on the last day, the only ones that could win it. And he lost by five seconds. He had a 10-second penalty earlier in the rally. So uh, there was quite a, it was a very tense finish, um, although there were only about five of the world rally cars actually finished, and the rest were all in ditches and restarting and rolling over. So it was quite a um, tense weekend. And how As good... Papalaki how... was third in the other Toyota. How good was Jos Verstappen back in the day? Oh, Jos the boss. He was really quick in the lower uh, single seat, but he never, he didn't really get 
a good Grand Prix driver. He was, he was one of these ones that promoted too quickly, a bit like Red Bull are doing now, to the Benetton. But he was stuck in the Benetton alongside... Who was he alongside? A superstar? Schumacher. Yeah, me Schumacher. Of course he was Schumacher. And so, you know, Jos couldn't quite compare with Schumacher and maybe he didn't have the same car. That's always the thing of those days. And um, there was this mysterious traction control going around Benetton's and all sorts of stuff. Anyway, Jos didn't look good against Schumacher, but then who would? And so he sort of, he, he went off, he embraced arrows. He was always, a, you know, wholehearted. He had a go everywhere. He was a good driver. So he was so best fun. So, so, so quickly, top four drivers come spring to mind. Senna, Schumacher, Hamilton and Verstappen. I mean, Max, not Jos. Who would win in their prime out of those four? Well, you can't say that. Once again, you're off on, on theorising. <laughs> well, Lewis is the best because he didn't use his cut. He's never <laughs> resorted to foul play to win a championship, which, um, you know, Verstappen I'm not and Senna say, did, I'm not so. saying about winning championships because Lewis is the best in terms of winning championships. I'm saying who is the best driver? Who would have won out of those four in their prime together? I think Senna is still the fastest. The best is a word that includes other dirty tactics. The fastest. Senna was probably the most naturally talented, mercurial, but a flawed genius. Yeah, okay. I like that. Good, good answer. On the spot answer. Very good. I wonder what, <laughs> I wonder what, our, lis- I wonder what our listeners think. I think you're uh, probably right. Schumacher, uh, clearly a, a, a phenomenal... Well, they're all a phenomenal talent, aren't they? But, but another uh, flawed genius, Schumacher. Yeah. He also used his car as a weapon. So... Um, yeah. And before we leave the rally, though, do you ever mention Craig, Chris Ingram and Craig Drew, British, ninth overall, fourth in class in Belgium. So the Brits are still, Chris Ingram's trying so hard as a privateer to, hello, manufacturers, hello, me. But um, anyway, terrible weekend for Ford, good for Hyundai, and average for Toyota. Good stuff. So, well, two bikes. Uh, I saw Susie. No, Perry no, do- MotoGP. No, it's MotoGP. MotoGP, I beg your pardon. Around the Red Bull ring. Um, and it was another Ducati coming on stronger and stronger. And the, the Red Bull rings a bit of a, you know, three straights and a few corners. Um, and it was it's just Fabio Quattararo has got this championship lead. The French one is Yamaha. And in the top six on the grid, it was him and five Ducatis. Um, so he, he valiantly battled the Italian Francesco Bagnaia, the factory Ducati driver. Um, he was on pole and he, and he won it. But he's now won five of the last eight races but the other three's crashed out. So he's had this amazing season. He either wins it or bins it. He's currently <laughs> on this run of bins because that was a hat trick. He won. That was a three on the trot um, that he won. But Fabio Quattararo wouldn't give up. But he, he was, I think he was standing about fifth or sixth earlier on. But he battled past the other Ducatis and got to second. So he's, he's pretty much holding on to a big points lead. But uh, Ducatis and Bagnaia is now thinking, you know, maybe maybe six rounds to go. Maybe we can still get this big lead down. Um, there's an amazing battle for second place. I said Jack Miller. Uh, was first, there first, hang while. on, hang on a minute. First place is one, isn't it? It's not going to, no one's going to catch him now. Well, yeah, well, no, no, not necessarily. Okay. If he stops, if he wins the next six rounds, I'm sure he'll win. So I haven't done a vote for it. <laughs> that sounds like a Murray Walker quote. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good battle for third. It was a great battle for second, though. Originally, it was um, Jack Miller or the other factory who, who challenged Bagnaia a while, then dropped away. But then, um, who was it? Another Italian on one of the private Ducatis, Jorge Martin. He went for second place, but dropped it, overtaking, and then uh, Quattuero came through. So it was pretty exciting at the top top end, although dominated by Bagnaia. 
A Moto2 and Moto3. So the son of Japan rise to the top of the podiums in both Moto2 and Moto3. They were very impressive rides. In fact, the Moto3 race, Ayumi Sasaki, he took someone out at the British Grand Prix, big shunt, big mistake. He got penalised with a double long loop, which I love these bikes they could do. It's long loop. On the race with cars, there's probably not enough track to make long loops. Anyway, he was on pole and led away from the start. And his first long lap loop, because he has to take them within so many laps, he dropped to 20th. He was battling up again. He had to take his second long lap loop. I'm not sure how far he dropped back. Anyway, he came back through and back through and back through and won the Moto3 race. Funny enough, it wasn't a frantic, you know, big, I was expecting around that track to be the big, you know, bunch of Moto3, 20 of them all tying for the lead. It was actually quite a tame race in terms of dropping out. So he didn't pick up many places through crashes. But anyway, very impressive win by Ayumi Sasaki. Um, the Brits, John McPhee got from 18th up to 9th. Scott Ogden, he, he qualified down in about 16th. I thought he'd finish 16th because I saw across the line, but he must have been penalised for track limits. He was classified 21st. But um, Moto2, as I said, was also a Japanese win for Ai Ogura, who goes top of the Moto2 championships by just one point. Good Jake pronunciations. Dixon, Very well, getting good there, getting there. The more yeah. I read these ones. Uh, Jake Dixon had a great... Our British, he's getting better and better, Jake Dixon. Um, he qualified fourth, and he had some... He was talking after he suddenly dropped back to eighth, and then he explained he has a bit of wheel spins. They start punt, they can remap their engine to give less torque and to change the torque maps. And he went, I'll sort of reprogram his bike and racing. He dropped down to eighth, and then he sort of got it ready. On the last corner of the last lap, he took third place off of Pedro Acosta, of course, the Moto3 superstar kid. Um, so it was very impressive. So Jake Dixon, he, he, I don't know, he just gets better. Could he be Britain's next MotoGP rider? We need one. We haven't got any. I, I like Jake. He's a, he's he wears his heart on his sleeve as well. Oh, he's, yeah. Huge smile always. Always a great great grin, right? Happy smiling teeth. And uh, so yeah, it's um, a, a goodish weekend for the British. So it's so it's so it's a good, exciting uh, weekend on two wheels of the Red Bull Ring. Not so exciting in America for NASCAR. How can you get or, excited about NASCAR? Well, and IndyCar. Well, because and sometimes India. it is very exciting. It's not every race. <laughs> uh, Whenever I try to promote it, you always tell me about boring races. The Formula One is boring. Even MotoGP has boring races. Every sport will have its boring I know. races. I'm, I, I'm, I'm uh, my God, was IndyCar boring this weekend. It really was one of the worst. Um, and it surprises me. It's this gateway raceway it's near Illinois, St. Louis. It's 1.2 far, but it's very flat and flat. So it's a single line, single groove. They actually got the teams out on Saturday doing deliberate two-lane testing to try and put more rubber down in the in the second lane. It was slightly banked, but not enough. Um, but there was no crowd there. They've got these big grandstands, and it looked terrible. I sort of think, why go there? What are you doing? I want someone from America to listen to this. I shall tweet it as well to try and attract an American to say, um, I don't see the point of racing when you know it's a bad track from which is why probably nobody turns up. But there was such an empty feel. Then halfway through it rained, so we had a rain delay. So then it all strung out. The poor, what crowd there was left had to hang around. Um, it was dominated by the Penske pairing of Joseph Newgarten and uh, Scott McLaughlin running out front most of the time. Um, it wasn't enlightened right at the end. David Malukas, this uh, star young American rookie who, who rides for the Dale Coyne team, a very small team came pounding through, seemed to get the pace. He got second place off of uh, Scott McLaughlin round the outside, risking it with about two laps to go and actually was catching the leader, um, Newgarden. So there was some excitement. 
the who was the biggest well. biggest name ever to race in IndyCar? What do you mean biggest name? Like Mario who? Andretti. Yeah. Who else? Uh, uh, Villeneuve. Jacques Villeneuve won the championship, then came and won the Formula One championship. Yeah, um, 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 yeah lots. Montoya, <laughs> Pan Pablo Montoya came from IndyCar. It was he's pretty not, impressive. He's not a big name. Juan Pablo Montoya, don't you insult one of the greatest? <laughs> I'm not insulting. I love Juan Pablo. He's a Grand Prix winner. That's good enough for me. Okay. So, um, Bar Brinson, Jack Harvey, 40. Alonso? No, Fernando's gone the other way. So he did Indianapolis and impressed. So, you know, I mean, Roman Grosjean had a bad weekend as well. He finished about 10th or 12th. So it's he's, the talent he's the talent okay. is there. You're one of these people <laughs> spreading this gossip that the IndyCar drivers aren't any good if they can't no, come not. over here. I, no, I think the IndyCar drivers are phenomenal. I love the cars. I, okay, I do actually right, like right, Indy, okay. IndyCar, IndyCar action, but right. uh, it wasn't, anyway, wasn't a good weekend for IndyCar. was a doubt. So please, America, why the hell go to Gateway Raceway when you've got no crowd and the racing's boring? NASCAR, however, went to Watkins Glen. And that's often, you know, they don't, they don't go well around the road courses. They went to the, the Go Bowling at the Glen sponsored race. Um, but it was raining and pouring. They do race a wet, so for the for NASCAR boys, it was a bit of a challenge, so we thought we'd get a great race. And it actually was pretty exciting. I'm just seeing those NASCAR boys, they go all over every curve they go over, they can go over. There's no track limits in NASCAR. They just go wild and everywhere. So there was loads <laughs> going on, but because it quickly dried out, the race was then rather messed up because... You had to do, th- to do a two-stop because it was one of those races where it's either a two-stop or a three-stop. And so lots of people have got a bit slowly early on to eke out the fuel, which often makes for a very jumbled-up race. It happens quite often in, in NASCAR. Um, and apparently you had to do 18 laps to do a two-stopper. But after 13 laps, the wet tyres were knackered because it was all dried out. So it was great racing going on, but then half the field pitted early because they went for the two-stopper or the three-stopper. I got confused. Um, so halfway through the race, they were all over the place. But in the end, it was the, it was the Hendrick pairing of Chase Elliott and Carl Larson, who were first and second on the grid. They went for the two-stop, but therefore they disappeared to midfield, mid-race. So you thought they're out of it. But then, of course, the three-stoppers had to stop. Um, so they ended up with the two of them out front. And it looked like Chase Elliott had the race won and Larson didn't have anything for him. But then they had a full-course caution uh, with three laps to go. And Larson... Uh, dived up the inside. In fact, Chase Elliott picked the left-hand side, going down into a tight right-hander. So I thought, you know, he was questioned afterwards when he wasn't too happy because Carl Larson dive-bombed him. Well, he was level. He was maybe an inch ahead on the inside, but he pushed uh, Elliott wide over the curbs, which they were doing anyway as part of the racing line. And uh, Chase Elliott lost. He went back to fifth. So Larson won it. Um, but it was, it was one of those weird moments because his teammates going head-to-head. And it, so Larson, when he came round, there was no donuts. It's this weird, you know, that he's feeling guilty. And he just came to a slow halt across the finish line. And he almost had a frown on his face, thinking, oh, I've done wrong, I've done wrong, I've done wrong, and I've done wrong to my teammate. <laughs> and then they got a shot of Chase Elliott was in the, in the pit <laughs> talking to Rick Hendrick, the car owner of both cars, and Jeff Gordon, the, the former superstar. He was there in the little huddle, and Elliott was obviously upset. And you know, and Kyle hardly celebrated. He got out and waved at the crowd, and then he was interviewed. And he, and he hasn't, and he hasn't won for a while either. I know exactly. So he needs a win. You know, we've got the yeah. playoffs coming up. But he was so sort of humble and worried that he'd upset his teammate. And then Chase Elliott was interviewed, and he, and he just did this sarcastic. They do that often. You know, 
are you upset? Just no, I want to congratulate the five car and the Hendrick car for winning and Kyle for winning a great race. Congrats, you know, like any time, you know. Did you not think that taking the left hand lane wasn't a good idea, Chase? Uh, I took the right tactic for the day, and it was just stony, stony. So it was a really weird feeling at the ending. But to me, I mean, Carl, he, he wants to win races. They're different sponsors, they're, they're teammates, but they're individuals. Um, they're not under any team orders. And I would have done exactly what he did, you know. Anyone would have done exactly if you, want to, if you want to choose the left-hand lane boy going into a right-hand tight corner, then, you know, that's your prerogative. But, of course, yeah. half the story that we were all looking for that was fun was Kimmy was out there. Kimmy Reichen was making his NASCAR debut. He qualified down in 27th, but um, with all this various fuel strategies, he was running ninth um, early on. In fact, he was ahead of Chase Elliott, the guy who was, who was leading towards the end. Uh, but on a restart, just after he dropped right back in the field because he'd had his second fuel stop, um, he was taken out in a sort of just a shambles through the chicane, which ended up with him being punted into the wall innocently. So a bit of a shame. He was actually putting on a good show. Um, so it was it was good fun to watch. Just them going around the road courses it is entertaining, but a bit confusing yeah. due to the strategies. So, yeah, and controversy at the end. So two... So- not the best American. Race okay, so so in the duller meter, uh, IndyCar, how how dull? One oh, IndyCar dull was about ten. three out of ten. Okay, Indy, and, Indy and that, NASCAR, NASCAR was no, NASCAR was still six, just because to see yeah. those brutes being handled and you know, there was at the end um, Olmendinger, who's not doing the full NASCAR. He, he's doing the um, Xfinity, the Formula Two series. He was changed. great race crew, race racer, race road course racer. And he was catching Larson towards him. Another little bit. Um, Larson, of course, won the Xfinity race. He'd, sometimes the NASCAR boys, the Formula One boys, drop to Formula Two, especially when it's road course, they want to get more experience. So Larson actually won the Xfinity race the day before after two in front of him had a clash and crashed out. So um, Carl had a good, he swept the Glen, as they say, but he didn't look too happy. <laughs> he didn't look at broom in his hand, trophy in the other, but looking a bit like a guilty boy. Court. Well, I well I'm happy because next week we got some proper not not disparaging what went on this weekend, but we got some proper racing again this weekend that we like the European stuff. Uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll be the one in the hotel on the Monday. It's my turn in the hotel next week. I'm at Spa, going out there with some uh, entertaining, some corporate guests. So Motor Passion. Anyone want to go to Motor Passion? Daytona, great trip. Motorpassion.com, dot, whatever. Anyway, I'm out there having a great time. Really looking forward to it. Fabulous circuit. Got F1, F2 and F3. Um, they've changed the circuit a bit with these runoffs, and, and especially the first corner hairpin, where now as you come out to go down the hill to Eau Rouge, there's a gravel trap. So um, whether that's going to... Because normally lap one, turn one, if they don't hit each other at the apex, they then run wide and go where there's now a gravel trap. So that might cause a bit of controversy. So uh, I, so, so do you think most of the crowd are going to be um, uh, pro-Lewis and they're all going to be supporting Lewis? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> apart, <laughs> apart from 100,000 orange army, the, the flares will be going. Because, of course, you know, Max is, is Belgian-born with a Belgian mother. So he's perhaps more Belgian than the, the Dutch nationality takes for his father that he races under. Ooh, that's so, controversial. Um, you're going sure to the, get a bit of stick on that one. I think the Benelux countries are happy to co-own such a, a, a superstar. <laughs> um, they've, of course, they've moved the bank back at Eau Rouge um, and Radio at the top, uh, which makes it safer because you can go less chance of hitting something and bouncing across the road. But if they don't police track limits up at the top at Radio, it's the left-hand apex at the top of the hill is the one where 
if you go over the curb, you can be one mile an hour, two miles an hour faster, all the way up the straight and overtake. Um, I've watched some videos of a touring car event. You know, they're all just over it and straight lining it. Because um, now they've moved the bank back at the top of the hill. So it's it's even harder coming up from Eau Rouge to actually see where you're supposed to go because you're just going over the crest. They've really got, if they start cutting that corner and not penalising them, I won't be happy. Yes, make it safer. Great, safer. But we need precision to be rewarded if you've got to stay on the track and be quick within the what limit about, set. What, what about sausage curbs? Because that's where Abby Eaton had her Well, I know. Well, that's why you can't have big curbs. Again, this is why it has to be just track limits. It has to be really, really strict. I mean, the motorbike boys, MotoGP, you know, they've got the green that is at the edge of the curb. But if they just put two wheels on the green... They get a couple of warnings and then they get penalties. See, I, um, but that's what that's what I say. You say, no, don't do that because then at the end it's really confusing. Well, I with the time know. Penalties. Well, it is. Well, I know what it is. That's the negative side of it. You know, if you if the do penalties it. will be handed stop up, doing it. Do well, it. I agree. Everybody the more will you know. get, yeah, I know. Yeah. I agree. I agree. The more they get, we'll have a few chaotic, over penalised events, and then maybe the drivers will realise that this is the way we go. If you want a safe track. You've got to play with these rules. And if you just yeah. overstep the mark, you get penalised. Simple um, as that. Yeah. What else is coming on this coming weekend? Well, Daytona's a NASCAR boys. are never boring at Daytona. It's usually boring for about an hour. Then they have these huge multiple crashes. And it's very <laughs> exciting. But, so, but this is the last round of the uh, before the playoffs. And 15 people have won. And if you win, you're in the 16. So there's only one spot available on points. And that's the battle to the 12 and the 19 at the moment. Um, but if some outside outsiders win those, because they're, they're exactly. just lottery, lottery win races, the whole race, yeah. lottery, lottery races. So you know, Martin Truex and um, the twelve of thingy, uh, they could be put out if some um, unknown wins it. So it's a big thing for the playoffs. Who can survive the lottery? And they're just sitting there, two hundred miles an hour, creeping. Hello, mate. I'm doing one mile an hour faster than you. Bump, I bump the one in front. Bump, bump. And they, and they, as I said last week, it's like being on a motorway jam on the M, M1, you know, where the three lanes are all going at slightly different speeds. And you think, I want to change lane. And then, and then you're going to make a gap. It's amazing tactics. And it, it's still fascinating to watch because you know, they're just sitting there, all full throttle. Everyone's full throttle um, in the draft and side drafting. That's so pretty exciting. Um, and then back in Britain, we've got two great choices. The BTCC at Thraxton, which is always a great racing, the Porsches, the single-seaters, um, and the British Superbikes, which the, that was coming alive at Thruxton at Campbell Park, again with a mountain where they you know, leap into the air. So just watching the Superbikes, overtaking is a bit tricky around there, but still epic to watch British Superbikes. So good entertainment both um, in Europe, America, and at home this coming weekend. Lovely. Well, thanks for joining, and we look forward to uh, welcoming you again next weekend. Cheers, Cheers. all. <laughs> Cheers.